Welcome to the Kingdom ROI Return on Intention Show. I'm your host, Eric L. Dunavit, the Kingdom ROI Strategist. Families and businesses hire me to create, grow, and protect generational wealth by discovering that what they do in their family's living room matters more than what they do in their boardroom or advisor's conference room. On this show, I'm here to tell the stories of families and business owners who recognize that they didn't have a growth problem, they had a relationship and priority problem. We'll hear stories and the journey these families who recognize that business and financial growth weren't what mattered. They know that their relationships and priorities is what's going to determine their outcomes. So stick around to hear the hardships they've faced, the lessons they've learned, and the wisdom they wish they would have known along the way. Each story captures the blessings and the struggles of pursuing return on intention instead of return on investment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the next 40 minutes where we take the world's broken mindsets and systems and turn them upside down. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Return on Intention show. And again, today, I've brought you another incredible guest. You know how much in business it is important to help faith-based families and business owners create lives to grow and protect generational abundance. Because hiding out there is the over 50% of destruction that happens during our lifetimes and then again after we pass away. And the reason I'm so excited about having this guest here is that Nancy has lived a life with an understanding that to truly achieve abundance, it's not about the best the next business or financial transaction. It's about acknowledging that what we do in our living rooms matters more than what we do in any conference or boardroom. So I am so looking forward to diving more into the story of her journey. Nancy, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Eric. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. Hey, kind of get us started and get us kicked off. I'd love for you to, for my audience to get to know you a little bit better. So tell us a little bit about like who you are. Okay, Introduce so, the audience to Nancy Erickson. Okay, so I'm going to tell you who I am outside of my work. And then I love that. Please do. That. So first of all, I'm a follower of, follower of Jesus Christ. Um, that's a, a, the center of my life and my work and everything, you know, comes forth from that. Um, I'm 65 years old and I have two adult children and six grandchildren, which... Ooh. I, I come from a long line of women who live really long and kind of look good along the way. So <laughs> it's like, you should see my mom. She's 90 and she's gorgeous. She looks 20 years younger than she does. Wow. And so anyway, I am, um, yeah, um, but I've earned every day of the 65 years. <laughs> so, um, and I, um, you know, I, I had a, an original career and now I have the career where I fit and, in the spot that God has prepared me for all of my life. Mm. So, um, and I know we're going to be talking about that. Yeah, so, we yeah. will. Who, if, if people are listening just to kind of, you know, everybody likes to compartmentalize a little bit, maybe not fair, but who, who yeah. do you help right now? What, what is your kind of your primary? Okay. So I, I own two book related businesses and I said book. <laughs> so one is called the book professor where we okay. help everyday people to write, what we call a high impact nonfiction book. And that's a book whose material will either save lives, change lives, or transform society. Mm. I also own a nonfiction publishing house. So um, we publish a lot of 
we've published all of our authors' books who come through the book professor that we help them with. Um, but we also publish a, a, a large amount of authors who come, you know, just from the outside. They have to be qualified more because when we work on the book with you, we know what your message is and that it's it's commercially appealing. Um, others, hmm. we, you know, take them through a little qualification process and then um, edit it before it goes <laughs> out, out to the world. So brag on yourself a little bit. I mean, you've got the book, you've got both of the businesses in the book, but what really truly is your superpower? My superpower is taking your story and helping you to shape it up and deliver it out to the world. So it's like, you know, it. okay, so I'm going to tell myself, it's not about the book. It's not right. about the book. The book is a product. Mm. It's yeah. about getting your message out of you and out into the world where it can do its work. Because I believe, number one, we've got, oh my gosh, we've got so many problems in our world and they're not getting any better, right? I mean, yeah. every day the news is just, it's just awful. Um, it's the bad news. It's, yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I really think that we can solve our problems and mm. that the answers are trapped inside people like you. And then mm. when, when you simply tell your story, what you've been through, what you've overcome, what you've developed, what you've invented, what you've gleaned throughout life, then you become the source of two things that people can't live without. And mm. those two things are hope and help. Mm. Now, yep. for business people, I honestly believe that if you're listening to this podcast, you're already doing that. That's what your business is about. We're all doing that. We're all offering people hope and help within our own zone of gifts and own zone of genius. Mm. And so mine is helping you to craft that message so that it can get out into the world and do its work. I love that. I love that and because it's about, I mean, at the end of the day, you fit right into what we talk about is return on intention. It's about the intention of what you're doing. Um, because if it's just about, you know, return on investment, we miss the mark. So I, I so excited about what you get to do on helping people really discover and how to share the message of the intention that's been planted inside of them. So let's talk a little bit more about return on intention. Let's talk a little bit more about your journey. I'm going to take this through some different segments, if that's okay with you. What I've kind of found is a return on intention is a journey of, it's a journey of faith. It's a journey of kind of self-discovery. It's a journey of you know, other relationships and then business comes into it as well. So I'm going to start kind of on the faith side. So when it comes to your journey of kind of trusting God and you look at where you are right now, like what are you most proud of that you've learned along the way? Well, that, that God is faithful. I mean, you know mm -hmm. what? I mean, I'm old, I'm older now, I'm probably older than your listeners. And I got to tell you what, I've been through a lot of stuff and everybody does. Everybody, there's stuff in life and you got to yeah. get through it. And what I, what I can tell you is that God is there in the middle of it with you every single time, even if you can't see it at the moment. And you probably can't mm -hmm. sometimes when you're in the depths of darkness because you're blind and hurting. But, yeah. um, but God is really faithful. And, you know, we don't need to chase after him or wonder where he is. He's just here. And mm. I think as people of faith, if we really knew that, if we really knew that, 
we would have so much more freedom in life. Wouldn't we? uh, Yeah. So. So along your journey in really learning to trust him, where, where have you made your biggest mistakes? Oh my gosh. (laughs) Well, I struggle a little bit to call them mistakes because I believe that God has allowed everything in my life and that has all served a purpose and has, Mm. and has led me to the point where I am right now, which I would describe myself as a joyful, happy, contented Christian Mm. who I don't feel the pressures of, um, outside voices or of, I, I, Mm. you know, I just good with being me. Yeah. Whether I'm, whether I'm, producing something or not. And that's taken a lot. That's taken all of the 65 years. You know, I used to think there's right. this voice in my head going, Oh, you're lazy. You're not doing enough. You know, oh. what is enough? You know, what is enough? But when you, uh, like in your, your audience who has, you know, a, they're running a business, they've got a family and all, there's a lot of demands on your time. And, mm-hmm. um, if you just, if people just understand that, you're doing the right thing or else God would show you something different. Yeah. Mm. But anyway, so you talk about my mistake. Well, let's just back up. Can I, can I take you into a really long story? Come on, tell it. Okay. Well, I had two versions of my story um, of how I got to be where I am, which is to help people like you write a nonfiction book. And I'm going to tell you the, the, the sanitized version first. Okay. So, Okay. And it, both versions are true. So I'm going to tell you the sanitized versions and I'm going to tell you the mistake version. Okay. So um, my original career uh, was in high tech. I worked for IBM as a systems engineer and then later um, worked for Oracle Corporation selling, you know, high-end uh, software, enterprise software. Mm-hmm. So I worked, I mean, my, my, my clients or our customers were Fortune 100 companies. So I got to spend a lot of time in C-suites trying to convince them to buy us versus somebody else and all. But I got really uh, comfortable with the issues that executives are faced with. And um, and I got to be where, you know, first when you're, uh, you know, you're kind of afraid. Oh, my God, this is the chairman of Hallmark, you know. Yeah, yeah. Such a nice guy, you know. <laughs> They're just so nice, you know. And um, But so I had a lot of uh, success in that. And when um, – it's been almost 20 years ago, but um, my dad was diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor. And mm. we knew that he would only live about seven months. It was a glioblastoma and there's no, you know, you can mm. try to get rid of it, but it's one of those finger things that runs through your brain. So I quit, you know, my job and I, my parents were in Florida. And so I went back and forth to Florida to help them through that time and stayed with my mother for a little while after my dad passed away. And so when I came back, I was, first I was, I had two different emotions. First was like, what do I do now? I quit my job, you know? And then I was like, wow, what can I do now? I quit my job. (laughs) I can do anything I like. Cause although I was employed by this comfort, these, corporations and making multiple six figures, I got to tell you, I hated it. I really Mm. hated it. And you can get trapped by the money. And, and um, so here's a point in my inflection point in my life where I believe that God intervened and Mm. um, showed me 
uh, helped me get out of something that I didn't enjoy. So I came back and I was like, okay, now what am I going to do? Okay. So how old was I? I was about 40, okay, 46 years old. And both my kids were already out of college. And so I didn't have those financial pressures. So I started thinking, what do I want to do? And I had always loved books and I read all the time. And when I was younger, I had a few things published and I thought, I'm going to go back. I'm going to go take some classes and (laughs) hone up on my writing skills. So I ended up going back to school and I got a master's degree in writing. And Mm -hmm. then the, the university where I graduated from asked me to join the faculty when I graduated to teach writing. And at the same time, I started the publishing house, Stonebrook Publishing, because what I wanted to do was to publish nonfiction books. And so we had a couple of really great successes out the shoot. The first book we published was written by a Holocaust survivor who'd gone to school with Anne Frank. Mm. And um, we ended up doing the book release at their school in Amsterdam, which was really, I mean, that's the first (laughs) book. Yeah. It's like, that's kind of cool. And then, and then the second book we published, um, we ended up getting back cover endorsements from Sir Paul McCartney and Cindy Crawford. And I was like, you know, people can't, you can't make this up and you can't make this happen either. Right. 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 Right? So I was kind of, you know, being pretty proud of myself and thinking I'm just really doing this good, but there was a problem. We were getting a lot of manuscripts and most of them had a seed of what I was looking for, which was material that would either save lives, change lives or transform society. But they were so poorly written that Mm. um, I couldn't do anything with them. We couldn't edit our way out of it. And then yet I still felt responsible for that message because it was something that needed to be out there and be heard. So, on the day that I was feeling really good about myself and, you know, about, Oh, I've got these feather publishing feathers in my cap. I was standing in my office slash living area. And I just felt this come through me and I heard stop. And Mm. as I interpreted that, I, I got the, sensation that my job was to help thousands and thousands of people to get their messages out. But that couldn't happen unless I helped them do it. Mm. So rather than Mm. just, okay, we'll take your finished product, blah. So I stepped back for a year. And during that year, I wrote a very step-by-step-by-step-by-step process that takes you from the idea for your book all the way through framing it up to first draft editing all the way through the end game of publishing and having a product on the market. And so that's how the business called the book professor got started. There are, there are two separate businesses, but that's how that was formed. So that's the pretty version of my story. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you want to talk about the other version? I can't because I trust that we're, Talking talking to faithful people who understand sometimes life goes sideways and it's not your fault, right? So the other side of my story is personal. Um, I was married to my first husband for 22 years and um, very, you know, 
faith-based family. He was mm. an elder in our, in our extremely conservative Christian church. And our kids were in Christian schools and the things we did, you know, they call them three-legged schools, school, church, and family. And I thought we were all doing this just great. I mean, I thought things, silly me, right? Um, so it turns out my oldest daughter was a freshman, finishing her freshman year at Pepperdine. And my youngest daughter and my other daughter was getting ready to graduate high school at Westminster Christian Academy in St. Louis. Hmm. So um, it came to light that my husband had a whole secret life. And he had been addicted to pornography. And I know some of you that listening are listening are addicted to pornography. It's real. It's mm. like alcohol or gambling or shopping, um, except it gets into your flesh. So it's it's yeah. can be a little bit harder, I think, to overcome. But he had been hiring prostitutes our whole marriage, mm. starting when my oldest daughter was six weeks old. And so um, and it gets worse. One of the prostitutes mm. blackmailed him. And they had drained our bank accounts. And so oh. he was caught in a hard space. And there was, and I do have to say, you, people might say, where's room for forgiveness? I had forgiven him for the same thing 10 years earlier. Um, oh. And we went through a lot of marriage counseling. We redid our wedding bells and all that kind of 10 years later, he's doing it again. And I'm out of there. You know, yeah. I'm like, I'm out of here. Well, it was, it was, I didn't know. I got to tell you what, and you know, women don't know. It's not like they don't want to know. They can just not know. And I'm pretty smart. So I, you know, I can read the room for sure. But, but, um, so I thought, so we got divorced and I, I can remember thinking I have been good all my life. So mm. F it. I'm going to do what I want. Mm. Yeah. That was the mistake. <laughs> it did not lead to good things. So um, I started drinking and my we didn't really drink much because it wasn't part of our social life. And within three months, I was full-blown alcoholic. Couldn't stop. Not me. Wow. I mean, I was functional. I could go to work and stuff, but I didn't. This is, listen to this. Okay, so my, we got divorced in that July. In August, my kids went to college. So having been in a house that was full of kids all the time, youth group and blah, 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 I moved to a condo and my youngest daughter bought me a cat. So I would mm. be lonely. So I said, the old lady with the cat, you know? So anyway, I didn't have anything to do with my time outside of work. And I mean, nothing like yeah. you don't have yard work. You don't have to go to the grocery store. There's nobody there to feed. I had a bad experience with my church rejecting me as well. Cause so you know, they don't know what to do. They, it, yeah. it's extremely yeah. threat. It, my husband was excommunicated from the pulpit cause he was an elder. It was yeah. bad, you know? So, um, I started drinking and I have a very long line of alcoholics in my family and I am one of those. So I, um, during that time I, I married a man who was the furthest thing from anything that I espouse. And um, yeah, about three days after we got married, he became abusive, not physically, but spiritually, mentally, emotionally, mm -hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, I hung in there. I kept hanging in there. 
because I said before God and witnesses until death do us part until there came a time when I thought, I think I'm going to die. I think it's going to be me that dies in this relationship. And so God intervened again. Oh, and by the way, I drank alcoholically for seven, seven, for three years. And then I took my butt and put it in a seat at Alcoholics Anonymous and I have mm. been sober for over 17 years. So, um, Congratulations. yeah, oh, yeah, it's was, not, it's very brave. Well, you know, people think, oh, it's so shameful if you're an alcoholic. I said, the only shame in it is if you know it and don't do anything about it. You know, there you go. if you have a problem Absolutely. and you don't do anything, and yes, shame on you. But, you know, we have all kinds of help mm-hmm. and stuff. So, so right. that has worked for me. But the marriage was, it was really bad. And so um, this is maybe God's intervention. One day there was a knock or a pounding on the door and it was the FBI who came to raid for child pornography. And I went to my husband's office and to our home and I was like, thank you. I can finally get out of here. Right. So that, um, that, that was, that's my mistake. What was my mistake? I said, F it. I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do what I yeah. want. And we don't realize that all these, all these fences we have around us as, as Christians, they're so good. They're not to deny us things. It's to protect us. Mm-hmm. So fast forward now, I have been, I got married again. Who gets married three times? I mean, gosh, I mean, I never would have thought that about myself. Right. Um, but I also carried a lot of shame about those two marriages, but I'm here to say I didn't do anything wrong. So I, I shake that off now that that is on them, what they were doing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I mar- I've been married for eight years to an absolutely incredible man. He is wonderful. And my life has been transformed as I, <laughs> I dived headfirst back into my faith and my relationship mm. with Christ and my husband mm. and I share that together. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Nancy, if you look at that, I mean, a lot of people could go through an experience like that and kind of maybe even take on a victim me- mentality or why did I have to go through that? It really seems like you've kind of come out championing it on the other side. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about just what that experience how that experience has shaped you and made you better at who God is calling you to be today. For the, especially for those who are in the middle of a season like that, or maybe struggling or frustrated, like, man, I cannot believe I'm here. There's always a gift waiting on the other side. You've discovered that, but could you talk a little bit more about yeah, that? I didn't, you know what? I never thought that I never thought I would walk out of this, but this is what you do. You walk out of it one day at a time, mm-hmm. step by step. Mm-hmm. And here's another thing. Most of my problems are of my own making. I created that situation. So I have to take responsibility for it, but they don't stuff doesn't turn around on a dime. Like, you know, it was complicated Mm. and it was complicated. took me five years to get divorced. So Mm. um, it was complicated. Um, But the other thing I want to say is that uh, I don't know. I'm usually, I've always been kind of an open book anyway, Mm -hmm. but how this experience plays in to what I do with people is that, I don't know, kind of in the work I do, you, you kind of become people's, I mean, people tell me things that, that they said, my wife doesn't even know this. And I'm like, oh, I know, I get it. I did that too, you know, or, yep. 
you know, or they'll they'll want to say, well, they'll be hiding some part. I'll say, well, I guess maybe I should tell you. I don't know if this needs to go in the book, but I struggled with drug abuse. I go, yeah, me too. Oh my gosh, you know, mm. and people mm. who have been abused, women in abusive marriages, people who have, you know, had um, childhood abuse and stuff like that. I mean, I get it, and that's yeah. how the mess for me becomes the message. Yeah. Yeah. That's so important. That's so important. And I can see the beauty of that's what you're getting to do right now is to help people who are living, who have a message to get out of them, giving them permission to share their mess. Exactly. Exactly. So we're getting, I could just kind of tell you about a book we're getting ready to release. It yeah, please. Interesting for your readers. Yeah. Because this is a Christian audience. Um, this is probably, we're going to releasing it this week. It's called, Is This Domestic Abuse? A Handbook mm. for Christian Women Who Feel Hopeless in Their Marriage. And it is about domestic violence in Christian homes. Mm. And there's a lot of it. There's a whole lot of it. And so, but I get to, I got to work with this incredible author. Her name's Rebecca Cobian. And to help pull her through writing it because you kind of relive in this stuff a little bit too. And this is going to really change lives and I, God's going to do a great work with that. Well, I think one of the greatest lies we like to believe in the Christian community is because we're Christians, we don't have the same problems the rest of the world does. And so then when we run into those problems, we carry an, maybe an extra level of shame yeah, um, or an extra or level of judgment or denial. <laughs> Or an extra level of judgment, like maybe Judd's gonna, God's going to judge me harsher because we are a Christian family, so then there's extra guilt or things like that. And what I love about the beauty of your story is like letting all that go and, and owning the experience as it happened, but seeing the redemption that happened inside of it. Well, you know, the other thing that I really benefited from was uh, I was so judgmental of others before this because I was a good Christian, you know? It's like, I didn't ever want to like sit with the divorced women or anything like, like who gets divorced, you know? Well, guess what? You twice, you know? Mm. And so I, I had to go through some things to, um, you know, have compassion for others and, and to have it be real and to stop blaming people for their problems. Cause sometimes you don't do it to yourself. That's right. That's right. I think that that would that would go a long way in the Christian community if we would learn to have more grace and forgiveness for everyone else's experience and be willing to put yourself in their shoes and see how they ended up there. Yeah. It's a lot of what we miss. Yeah, it's today. hard to do and experience helps you. Yeah. And so you've shared so much. I do want to ask real quick. I mean, when you think about all these lessons you've learned, is there anything that would have helped that you wish you would have known 20 years ago? Ah, uh, 20 years ago. Let's see. That's when I was 45 and still married to my first husband. <laughs> um, I don't think so. You know why? Because I had to learn these things and I don't know how else I could have learned them. Um, mm. I don't, I will tell you that I was never abandoned. Um, and it, there was the 10 year period where I had a lot of fear and such, but I don't think that I could do what I'm doing now if I didn't go through some of these things. Like mm-hmm. even my early experience, I mean, God is always preparing you for another work. And so when mm-hmm. I talk about my early work experience, how my, um, you know, I worked in for Fortune 500 companies and such. I work with a lot of executives now 
And a lot of people are doing business books, which is great because we can help them expand their business. But I get it. I know what their issues are, you know, because I've had mm. experience in being on the, the level of trying to help them solve their issues through technology and, and such. Right. So, right. I, I think I just I think I needed every experience I had to be where I am now. Your mess is your message. I love that. Can be. It can be. If you'll choose to walk into it and share it. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that our world, I, I, that's why I so appreciate you being willing to come on. Our world, I think our world today is craving authenticity. Mm. We've got so much fake Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, even LinkedIn posts that life is shiny, happy plastic, and it's not. No, some, there are parts of life that are, but it's not, you know, it's, we have so many facets to us. I mean, I, yeah. I like to, do, to dwell on the positive, but I, you know, they, there have been some pretty harsh statistics that talk about how after the pandemic, people were not sequestered anymore, but people mm. are lonelier now than they've ever been in their lives. And mm. it's not good to be on your phone all the time. And it's right. also hard to break up with your phone. It's really hard. <laughs> But that's another one of those things where you have to have a barrier around it because you miss communication and eye contact and physical mm. touch. And we need to be with other people. We don't just need to be projecting an image out or receiving their image, but we need to be with people. Amen. Amen. And so I've got a question I didn't prepare you for, but it's one of my favorite ones I like to sneak in here. So let's think about your journey and where you are. You talked about your grandchildren and three generations. What do you hope your great-grandchildren remember or know about you? About me? Um, you know, it's interesting because I'm leaving a very printed legacy of myself. <laughs> if you're watching on the show, you see the book <laughs> covers. I have a huge office. They're all book covers of books that we've published. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, I think most people just want to be remembered that, that I was a loving person, you know, and that mm. I accepted them and all. I mean, I don't mm. have any, any um, ridiculous ideas that I'm, you know, ever famous or anything like that. I don't want that, you know, but I do want people, I do want people to remember how I make, made them feel. And that's mm. what I hope will happen with my own family. As we're winding things down here, Nancy, is there anything you didn't get to share that like comes to mind that before you leave our audience that um, I you want to make sure? I told you everything. <laughs> yeah. well, I appreciate and, it. What I do want to say is that just if you think about your own legacy, that's yep. one reason people write a book. Another thing is that in, in business, you have a great opportunity to expand your business by sharing your message. And mm -hmm. when we work with our clients, we it's remember I said it's not about the book, it's about getting your message out. So we construct your book in a way that at the end you should be able to take every chapter out and repurpose that material for other revenue producing mm -hmm. products or attention getting things like podcasts and stuff, but seminars and workshops and keynote speeches and, and those types of things. So we're the book is setting you up so that the book becomes a launch pad for you to deliver your message across multiple venues. Oh, I love that. All right. So everyone, make sure you go out and reach out to Nancy at thebookprofessor.com. Schedule a time to talk to her because 
why would you wait to tell your story? Uh, you need to, and it, you can already see Nancy's such an authentic person. It's going to be really comfortable and easy to work with her. So Nancy, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, it's been a great joy. So for those of you who are out there, do you know what we do? We run an invitation-only program that helps faith-based families and business owners create lives to grow and protect generational abundance by minimizing the over 50% of destruction of wealth that happens during our lifetimes. And again, after we pass away, it is about authenticity, things like Nancy was talking about today. Um, if you want to connect more with us, I've got more several tips and examples that are available in our Facebook group or reach out to us at kingdomroi.org. It's another great show, another time of being with you. And Nancy, thank you so much for making the time today. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for the Kingdom ROI Return on Intention podcast. If you're a business owner or a family who recognizes that what you're doing in your family's living room matters more than what you do in the boardroom or advisor's conference rooms, you're open to sharing the ups and downs of the journey and would like to be a guest on the show, then I'd like to invite you to apply by visiting our website, www.kingdomroi.org. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show, and they mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, www.kingdomroi.org, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. This is Eric L. Dunavant, the Kingdom ROI Strategist, signing off. Until next time.